Can everybody hear me? Am I all wired up? <coughs> great, great. Uh, good morning. Um, I've got uh, some uh, photographs to show you in a minute, but before I do, for your, you that don't know me, my name's Danny, and um, my wife is Kath. We have two little boys that are with us this morning, Charlie and Sam, and uh, we live in this wonderful part of the country called Burnley. It's unusual to come to a place where it doesn't rain. It rains most of the time where I live. Um, so um, it's nice to meet you. Um, we have a little testimony that I want to share with you. Over the past seven years, uh, we've had um, a lot going on in our lives. And it's mainly concerned with a little boy. And I want this morning to thank you sincerely for praying for us as a family. Because uh, at 20 weeks pregnant, uh, we discovered that my little boy had, Charlie, had a congenital heart defect, and only half of his heart actually works. So I, I've got a photograph I want to show you, and this might upset my wife, because I haven't told her the actual photograph that I'm going to uh, show. This is the only photograph we've got of my little boy without any scars whatsoever. He is in the neonatal intensive care unit in um, Burnley General Hospital. We were surprised that we could have him there because of the nature of his problem that he had. Um, and this is the only picture we've got. And he was a, to be honest, he was the biggest baby in there because they're all premature. And the consultant came to me and he said, do you know what? He said, look at all these babies in here. So I, I looked around and he said, yours is the uh, polius, so we're getting rid of him this morning. And he, he came to a wonderful place called Older Hair Children's Hospital. And we give thanks to God for Older Hair. Um, if you could just move on, Jill. Um, he underwent uh, surgery, major open heart surgery, which took around about eight hours um, when he was only seven days old. That surgery is not something that they can correct. It is, it is just uh, palliative care. That means it just extends his life expectancy. Um, and you can see there's a lot of things going on there. Uh, if you just click it on again, Jill, for me. At one point, there was 26 different little lines going into this little boy's body. And you can see the size of him. And, you know, that is amazing. Um, and let me tell you, Within 21 days, we were out of Older Hay Children's Hospital. God was absolutely wonderful, and I want to thank you for your prayers, especially my family. I, I know they were praying for me and my, my close friends, but I know um, that members of the church were also praying. If I move on to the next one, I want to tell you a little bit. Of, this is a lovely story. They said that at eight months old, 12 months, he would have to have further surgery. So a second open heart surgery. And so if I told you that three days before this photograph was taken, he had another eight hours under anaesthetic and had major open heart surgery. Three days. The consultant said this to me. He walked past and he said... Um, how long did we do? How long ago did we do it? I said Thursday, and this was Saturday morning. He said last Thursday. I said no, 
this Thursday. He went, that boy's a miracle. Amen. <laughs> to which my faith in God says to me, yes, it was a miracle. Absolutely. In three days, that little boy went from having major open heart surgery to sat up clapping in bed. Just absolutely unbelievable. Is it unbelievable? No, maybe not, with the power of our God. If I move on again, um, here he is now. This is last November. September, October, sorry. This is last uh, September, October. Um, you can see he has what they call a midline sternotomy, where they've cut him down the middle, they've broken his ribs. This has happened every time. So this is the third time they've done this. They cut him down the middle, they broke both his ribs, uh, sorry, his rib cage open, they replumbed his heart, put him back together, and there he is at seven, and that's last year. Um, what you can't really see on this is that there's a, a bucket. I am three foot six, so you will have to bear with me. There's a little bucket here. Charlie was, he had a chest draining, draining fluid out of his chest. And this drain was draining about half a litre of fluid every day. Sometimes it would drain a litre of fluid, sometimes it would drain half a litre. But it was significant drainage. And if you can see, he went to virtually nothing. We were praying, praying, praying. Um, again, God just blessed us so tremendously. We had an absolute peace about this. And Kath and I, honestly, didn't we, darling? We thought that we were going to the hospital, bearing in mind we've been in 21 days, and then three days, we thought, praise the Lord, we're going to be in and out because our God is so good, and that'd be it. Nine weeks later, so we're in for nine weeks, but do you know what? Throughout that time, we had a peace that passed all understanding. Not one time did we think, yes, in our human selves, we wanted to come home. We do have another little boy who was at home for nine weeks and he was missing his parents. So don't get me wrong. We wanted to go home, but we realised that our God has a time allotted for everything and we're there for a purpose. And we realised that and we, in faith, believed that and we just thought, you know what, God, we will come home when you're ready. And he had to have another operation and this one's bad. But he had something called a thoracotomy where they slice about a three-inch to four-inch cut underneath his, through his ribs because he had an infection and he wanted to clean him all out. And they cleaned his pleural cavity out they stuck his lungs together with his own blood. So they cleaned him out with his own blood. They stuck his lungs together and they stuck his lungs to his uh, chest cavity. He'd been through a massive amount. As a family, we went through a massive amount. But we're part of a bigger family, aren't we? We're part of God's family. And like I said to you, sincerely, from the bottom of our hearts, we want to thank you for your prayers because it is the prayer of the people 
that God listens to and it moves God's hand. And God blessed us so richly. And if I look now, Jill, these are our two boys. He walked around about three miles that day, three or four miles. He walked up a hill to somewhere called Darwin Tower. And I took a picture of the two boys sat, stood on the top of Darwin Tower. God's blessed us. Amazingly. And that blessing is also your blessing. Be under no illusion. Prayer is not just wishful thinking. You don't send up a prayer and think it may happen. If you knock on the door, God answers. And I want to thank God. I want to thank you this morning publicly for what he's done in our lives. Amen. Amen. That's not my sermon. Don't worry. I, I, I genuinely won't be long. Because it's getting towards lunchtime, isn't it? And uh, I know what my boys will be thinking. Um, they're ready for their dinner. Um, I want to speak to you this morning. Uh, and like I said, I, I'm not going to be long at all. I want to speak to you, to you from a little book in the Bible. Right, Gabe, you, you keep getting asking, asked questions this morning, don't you? So we're going to ask your dad instead, because he kept asking you questions, didn't he? And I, I think that's a bit unfair. I'm a teacher. Uh, I teach chemistry, so don't worry. Uh, it's not going to be too... Bible in two parts. What's this first part of the Bible called and the second part? Old Testament. Old Testament and... Uh, New, you can have that one as well. New Testament. First four books of the New Testament. To me, Auntie Carol. What are the first four books of the New Testament? Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And they're collectively known as the... Um, synoptic Gospels. The, go <laughs> the Gospels. We'll just do with Gospels. We're in, we're in St. Helens, not Oxford. Um, my wife, how old was Methuselah? No, I, I, won't, I, I won't do that to you. I'm speaking from the New Testament this morning. Um, the book that I'm speaking from is um, only a tiny book. It's called Philemon. It is in the New Testament. It was wrote by a man called Paul. I know you've been going through Ephesians. Am I correct in saying that? And Paul um, is writing to uh, Philemon. And this book is, um, like I said, it's snooker cue chalk. That's unusual to find on the uh, pulpit. But anyway, we'll carry on. I'm going to read this to you. It's only short. It's 25 verses. I hope it, 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 I don't take too long. But I, I want to read it to you so you have some idea of what this story is about. I'm going to give you a general overview of what it's about. And then, right at the end, I want to apply it a little bit to our lives. So this is Paul writing to Philemon. It says, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker. To Aphia, our sister. To Archippus, our fellow soldier. And to the church that meets in your home. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, 
because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I appeal to you on the basis of love. I then, as Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to have keep it, kept him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favour you do will be spontaneous and not forced. Perhaps the reason he was separated you from you for a little while uh, was that you might have him back for good, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one thing more, prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. So, um, there's the word. So this is Paul. He's in Rome. He's in chains. And Philemon is in a place called Coloss, which is not too far away. And the reason that Paul writes to Philemon is that Paul, at some point, was in Coloss and Philemon was saved through Paul's work. Um, and Philemon was a good man. He served along Paul. And if you, you, you were listening to the first part of that, Paul writes to him and says, look, I give thanks for your family. And he names the family, his sister and other people in there. And he says, and for the church that meet in your house. So Paul has a love for this man, Philemon, and this, this man is a, is a good man. So what is this story actually about? This story is about a slave called Onesimus who's run away from his owner and the owner of this slave is Philemon. So this man Philemon has a slave called Onesimus and he's run away. And verse 17 suggests that actually Onesimus probably stole something from Philemon. And under Roman law, the punishment for stealing was death. So 
Onesimus runs away, and he runs away to Rome. And at the time, Rome was the cultural centre of the world. It was a massive city. It had little suburbs, little sub-districts around it, and people could easily get lost in Rome. So you've got a runaway slave, so it's a good place for him to hide from the law. Because the law dictates he's stolen, he's a slave, death. But are you ready for this? You may say it's coincidence, but Onesimus meets Paul. So he's in a big city, and he happens to bump into Paul, who happens to be a friend of Philemon's. Now, I don't call that coincidence. I call that completely God incidence. Because there are times in my life when I have felt the presence of God and God being so close and something happens and you think, how on earth did that happen? I can only put it down to God. But Anesimus meets Paul. And it says that Anesimus was converted into faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul, the apostle, is always ready to give an account for the hope that he has. And you read from 1 Peter this morning, and uh, 1 Peter 3.15 says this, but in your heart set apart Christ as Lord, and always be prepared to give an account for the hope that you have. You're nodding, have you got, uh, are you prepared to give an account for the hope that you have? In our church, listen, this is a myth. This, when my dad was the pastor, thank heaven he's not the pastor now. Um, it, when he was pastor, he used to say, right, what's your name, sir? Mike. Mike, Mike, come and stand here, Mike. And he'd say, right, you've got two minutes. Tell us what life was like before you were a Christian. Tell us how you came to know Christ. And now tell us what life is like now. You've got two minutes. And he had a big gong on the wall and he used to after like 30 seconds go gong Mike carry on and and it was brilliant but the Bible does say always be prepared to give an account for the hope that you have let me tell you if you're on the bus and you're traveling somewhere if you're in a hospital and you sat waiting for your son to come out if you're um at work and you've only got two minutes do you know what sometimes that's that opportunity that God gives you do you know what I'm talking about Jill that's the opportunity that God gives you to speak to that person always be prepared and Paul was prepared because he gave this man the gospel he told him about Jesus and it all comes out then in the wash Anesimus says to him, well, actually, I'm a slave. And I belong to this guy who lives in Coloss, called Philemon. And Paul goes, I know him. That ain't coincidence, is it? That is, it's got the God stamp on it, hasn't it? Amen? It's got the God stamp on it. What's the importance of this book? The importance of this scripture is, if you look at, books like Genesis, it gives us a big story of lots of people and what went on and how the earth was formed and it gives us a massive story. If you look at the Gospels, they tell us about a lot of people, mainly Jesus Christ, 
but it tells us a lot about a lot of other people around it. If you then look at Acts, Acts tells us about, actually, the gospel spreading through Peter, um, uh, Philip. Um, I, I spoke here many years ago on Philip and the Ethiopian unit, but it talks about Philip, it talks about Peter, it talks about Paul, and all these things that they do. But this book in the Bible talks about one little scenario. It talks about this man called Philemon, it talks about this, one, this man called Anesimus, and this one story. And let me tell you, it shows me that God is massively interested in individuals. So much so that one chapter, it's only 25 verses, is given over to this story about one person and their relationship. It demonstrates to me the love of God and the forgiveness and the impact that it can have on everyday life. Because, are you ready? This is the overall idea. Paul sends this message to Philemon and it's based on God's love and forgiveness. Paul urges Philemon, he says, Philemon, I want you to show the same love and forgiveness that God has shown to you. I want you to show it to Onesimus, your runaway slave. Paul's message is very, very powerful. Because of Paul's relationship with Philemon, he knows him, he's worked alongside him. And the language that Paul uses to him is this. It's very strong. It's compelling, yet it is loving. It says, I expect you to do this because what God has done for you. Paul wants Philemon not only to just forgive Anesimus, this runaway slave, he wants to accept him back as more than a slave, but as a brother. And then send him back to Paul as a helper. When you forgive somebody and accept them back, they become more than a brother to you. And the service that people can do for one another in forgiveness and acceptance is a higher level of servitude. Paul's letter shows a transition from slavery into kinship, adoption into a family. Anesimus goes from being a slave to a brother. And Philemon shows a Christ-like love and forgiveness. Let me, be, let me tell you, be under no illusion. You were once a slave to sin. You were. All of us, the Bible tells, all have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us. But do you know what? Through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, you can have forgiveness. That bridge that was spoken about can be restored from eternal death. Yes, there is a place called hell. And if you do not accept Jesus Christ as your saviour, let me tell you, that's the only road you're going down. There's nowhere else. Salvation, life, eternal life, only comes through Jesus. And on that cross, that bridge was rebuilt so that we have a way back to God. And we're now not just left. We are to be 
people in God's presence. We are adopted into God's family as sons and daughters. And the Bible tells us that. So that's the story in a nutshell. And I don't want to spend too much longer now because you might go out of here and say, well, actually, that's great, Dan. It's a lovely story. It's one chapter of the Bible. It's 25 verses. I don't have to read that much. I've got the general gist of it. But do you know what the greatest thing about this story is? Is that you can walk out of there and you can apply it to your life. And if we want to change this world outside and we want to change each other, then we've got to start to apply these biblical principles to us. So that's what I want to do now for the next five or so minutes. I just want to apply it to how can we change. And there are three major people involved here, three major players. There's Philemon, the slave owner, the person that was wronged. There's Anisimus, the wrongdoer. And there was Paul. And in this situation, Paul is the advocate. He's the one who facilitates this restoration of the relationship. And what I would say to you, from Philemon's perspective, it is difficult to offer forgiveness to somebody when you are hurting. Would you agree with that? When you are wronged and you are hurting, is it hard to offer forgiveness? Yes, it is. Um, what I was going to say to you is this. I've just got a little clip. It's three minutes. And I hope you can bear with me for three minutes. Because as a result of Christ's saving work on the cross as a Christian, we can understand forgiveness. You know forgiveness for what, because of what Christ has done for you. This is a guy, this is the brother of a man who, the brother was in his home eating some ice cream on his couch. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? He was on his, Terry knows, he was eating some ice cream on his couch and a police officer came into the house, shot him dead. Listen to what this guy says.
just like my privileges, but I see, I, I personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't gonna ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's what that's exactly what both of them want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. I'm not gonna say anything else. I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that both of them would want you to do. Again, I love you as a person. Thanks, Jim. That's great. As a result of Christ's saving work on the cross, that man was able to forgive a police officer who had shot his brother by accident. God bless him. Amen. Look at that. I am so unqualified to talk to you about forgiveness. Forgiveness should become an integral part of our lives, of who we say we are and how we behave. When we do not forgive, bitterness takes root and it slowly strangles life from you. And joy has forgiveness been a struggle for you my words are let us forgive one another and accept each other as brothers and sisters in Christ the other player in this scenario was Anisimus and fear of repercussions when returning to the person that is wronged may for Anisimus, the fear of returning to Philemon could have been death. But with us in this Western society, the fear, the fear of repercussions for our wrongdoing eventually just prolongs our agony and hardship. Maybe in this Western world, we are more embarrassed to go and ask for forgiveness for our wrongdoing. So, and do we have difficulty accepting forgiveness do we genuinely have difficulty doing that yes i have been forgiven we don't have to live with guilt anymore we can be forgiven forgotten left done with just like our god he remembers our sin no longer and then it was paul 
Paul acts as this advocate. He supports Onesimus when he's in a difficult place. And in this church, you are here as brothers and sisters to support each other in difficult places. Have you got the courage, the standing, the integrity and the power to bring about good deeds? Taking risks to put situations right. But let's be under no illusion. Each of these three situations have a cost. And are we willing to make that co- meet that cost, make the sacrifices needed to put situations right? Romans 12 tells us this. It tells us that we should be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And our example is Jesus Christ. If we renew our minds and use Christ as our example, then when we go out of those doors today, we can look at this world through a different set of eyes. And we can see forgiveness. We can see love. We can bring people into a relationship with Jesus that is a relationship that lasts forever eternal life. Amen. Amen. I'll just pray. Father God, thank you for this time together. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you undertake for us in every situation. Thank you that you meet our needs. And Lord, we trust that this week as we, we go out, that you would be with us. You would walk by our side. And Father, you would help us to make the decisions Uh, that put you in a good light. Lord, that um, we would see people for where they're at. And Father, we would be a a, a place that they can run to. And Lord, if we are struggling in any of these situations with being a forgiver, whether we are struggling accepting forgiveness or we're struggling with standing firm and helping other people to restore relationships. Lord, I, help you, I pray that you would give us wisdom and you give us encouragement to lift us up. And Father, I pray that you bless each one of the people that they go, in this fellowship as they go out this day. In Jesus' name, amen.